0: Chapter sixteen of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter sixteen Martyrdom. It may be that a good deal of the wisdom and philosophy of mankind is born of grief and suffering it is certain that a good deal of philosophy came to finn as the aftermath of that evening upon which he retired heartbroken to the farthest corner of his cage after seeing the master and the mistress of the kennels pass him without a word or a glance his mind did not deal in niceties he did not tell himself that if the master had only guessed at his presence there all would have been different He was conscious only of the apparently brutal fact that the master had walked past his cage and ignored him, left him there in his horrible confinement. He bore no malice, for there was not any malice in his nature, which is not at all the same thing as saying that he was incapable of wreaking vengeance or administering punishment. He simply was smitten to the very heart with grief and sorrow and so he lay all through that night silent sorrowful and blind to his surroundings the natural result was that sleep came to him after a while when all was dark and silent and the folk who had visited the circus like those who had entertained them were in their beds and this sleep he badly needed while he slept the burns on his muzzle and ear were healing the searing heat of his grief was subsiding and his body and nervous system were adapting themselves to his situation and recharging themselves after the great drain which had been made upon them during the past couple of days when killer's long snarling yawn woke finn in the morning he did not fling himself against the partition which hid the tiger from him he did not even bark or snarl a defiant reply he only bared his white fangs in silence and breathed somewhat harshly through his nostrils while the hair over his shoulders rose a little in token of instinctive resentment this comparatively mild demonstration cost finn a great deal less in the way of expenditure of vitality than his previous day's reception of the tiger's snarls and left him by just so much the better fitted to cope with other ordeals that lay before him if finn had been a wild beast his experience in the southern cross circus would have been a far less trying one for him than it was he would have learned early that the professor was a practically all-powerful tyrant who had to be obeyed because he had the power and the will to inflict great suffering upon those of the wild kindred who refused him obedience that he was a tyrant and an enemy the wild creature would have accepted from the outset as a natural and an inevitable fact in finn's case the matter was far otherwise his instinct and inclination bade him regard a man as a probable friend. Naturally, if the professor had been aware of this, he would never have approached Finn with a hot iron, and their relations would have been quite different from the beginning. As it was, or as Finn saw it, anyway, the professor had proved himself a creature absolutely beyond the pale—a mad, wild beast disguised as a man. A devil who met friendly advances with repeated blows of a magic weapon a stick made of fire against which no living thing might stand madie had seemed to finn a madman and one to be avoided but madie had not been a wild beast as well neither had he carried fire in his hand the professor was a far more formidable and deadly creature however he might disguise his intentions his purpose clearly was finn's destruction that was how finn saw it and he acted accordingly consistently and not from malice but upon the dictates of common sense and self-preservation as he understood them having said so much it is hardly necessary to add that finn suffered greatly during the next few weeks of his life for had not the professor sworn to make the giant wolf his obedient creature and a docile performer in the circus that he never did his boast was never made good though with a real wolf it might have been and again it almost certainly would have been had he ever guessed that finn was not a wolf at all but one of the most aristocratic hounds and friends of man ever bred But his failure cost Finn dear, in pain, humiliation, fear, and suffering of diverse kinds. The boss jeered at the professor when the failure to tame Finn had extended over a week, and that added greatly to the severity of Finn's ordeal. The professor was on his mettle, and now, while he made no further spoken boasts, he swore to himself that he would break the giant wolf's spirit or kill him he never guessed that his whole failure rested upon one initial mistake to the wild beast the red-hot iron bar was merely the terrible insignia of the professor's indubitable might and mastery a very compelling invitation to docility and respectful obedience to finn it was not that at all but merely terrible and unmistakable evidence of basest treachery and malevolent madness and it was largely with the red-hot iron that the professor sought to tame finn believing as he did that this was necessary to his own the professor's preservation upon one occasion one brilliantly sunny morning of finn's martyrdom it did dimly occur to the professor that it might be the hot iron which somehow stood between himself and the mastery of finn accordingly he twisted some wire round the end of his quirt or cutting-whip and entered the cage without the iron while sam stood outside with the brazier ready to pass in the iron if that should prove necessary finn absolutely mistrusted the man of course he had suffered what he believed to be the man's insane lust of cruelty for a fortnight now but yet he saw that the iron was not in the cage and so he made no hostile demonstration and that was a notable concession on his part for of late the professor's tactics so far from taming him had taught the naturally gracious and kindly wolfhound to fly at the man with snapping jaws the instant he came within reach now the man moved slowly very slowly nearer and nearer to finn's corner using ingratiating words when it seemed that he meant to come near enough for touch finn decided that he would slip across the cage to its opposite far corner in order to avoid the hated contact he did not snarl he did not even uncover his fangs for the fiery instrument of torture was not there he rose from his crouching position and of necessity that brought him a few inches nearer to the professor before he could move toward the far side of the cage would yer down ye brute snarled the man in his best awe-inspiring tone and in that instant the wire-bound rhinoceros hide whistled down across finn's face cutting him almost as painfully as the hot iron was wont to sear him he snarled ferociously down came the lash again and this time a loose end of wire stabbed the corner of one of his eyes the next instant saw the professor flung back at length against the bars of the cage and in his face he felt finn's breath and heard and saw the flashing crashing gleam of finn's white fangs sam thrust the white-hot bar in stabbing finn's neck with its hissing end the professor seized the bar and beat finn off with it not for protection now but in sheer savage anger then he withdrew from the cage and seizing a long pole beat finn crushingly with that through the bars till his arm ached meantime finn fought the pole like a mad thing and the professor unable to think of any other way of inflicting punishment upon the untamable giant wolf took his food from the basket and gave it to killer before finn's eyes leaving the wolfhound to go empty for the day that was the result of the professor's one attempt according to his lights at humouring the giant wolf by approaching him without the iron that also was a specimen of the kind of daily interviews he had with finn by this time the wolfhound actually was a very fierce and savage creature but he was not at all like the magnificently raging whirlwind of wrath which had aroused the boss's admiring wonder on the day he first saw finn killer might growl and snarl himself hoarse now for all the notice finn took of the great beast scarred from nose to flank with burns bruised and battered and aching in every limb finn remained always curled in the darkest farthest corner of his cage now roused only by the daily fight the daily torture of his interviews with the professor at other times as the boss said bitterly he might have been dead or a lap-dog for all the spectacle he offered to the curious who visited his cage all they saw was a coiled iron-grey mass and two burning black eyes with a glint of red in them and a blood-coloured triangle in their upper corners now and again in the midst of the night finn would rise and go down to the bars of his cage and stand there motionless for an hour at a stretch his scarred muzzle protruding between two bars his aching nostrils hot and dry drinking in the night air his eyes robbed of their resentful fire and pitiably softened by the great tears that stood in them at the end of such an hour he would sometimes begin to walk softly to and fro inside the bars the four paces that his cage allowed him thus he would pad back and forth silently for another hour with tail curled toward his belly and nose on a level with his knees Almost brushing the bars as he passed them. He made no sound at all, even when the moon's silvery light flooded his cage, or when killer snarled in his sleep. But always, before returning to his corner, he would systematically test every bar at its base with teeth and paws, and then sigh like a very weary man as he slouched despairingly back to his corner but for all the glowering misery that possessed him by day and the despair to which he would give rein by night it was always with dauntless ferocity that the tortured wolfhound faced his enemy the professor short of starving him to death or killing him outright with the iron bar the professor could see no way of making the giant wolf cringe to him he could devise no method of breaking that fierce spirit though he exhausted every kind of severity and every sort of cruelty that his wide experience in the handling of fierce animals could furnish for any one who could have comprehended the true inwardness of that situation its tragedy would have lain in the reflection that had he but known it Finn could, without difficulty, have earned not alone ease and good treatment, but high honours in the Southern Cross Circus. But Finn had no means of guessing that the professor merely desired to master him, and to teach him to stand erect, or leap through a hoop at the word of command. No sign of any such desire, that Finn could possibly read, had been furnished but on the contrary the one thing made evident to the wolfhound's understanding was that here was a bloodthirsty man in a leather coat who desired to burn him to death when not engaged in beating him with a pole or thrusting at him viciously through the bars of his cage with a stick or slashing at him with a whip that cut through hair and skin and be it remembered that the hound who was faced with these to him utterly gratuitous and senseless atrocities was one who if we except the single occasion of his night with the dog-thief in sussex had never known what it meant to face an angry man or to receive a blow from a man angry or otherwise it was small wonder that finn had only snarls and snapping jaws for the professor the pity of it was that he could have avoided as much suffering if he had only known what it was desired of him the wonder of it was that he faced the professor day after day with such unfailing courage with a spirit which remained absolutely uncowed though the body which sheltered it could not present a single patch of the bigness of a man's hand which was neither burned nor bruised nor cut there came a day when other matters occupying his attention the professor did not trouble to pay one of his futile visits to finn's cage sam fed him as usual when killer was fed one of the features of finn's captivity which while in his confinement it helped to injure his physical condition also helped to make him the more fierce was the fact that his diet consisted exclusively of raw meat finn waited through the long day for the professor steeling himself for the daily struggle and the daily suffering his body free of new pains he rested that night more thoroughly than he had rested for a long time and there were faint stirrings of hope in his mind next morning the boss happened to walk past the cages with the professor and when they came to finn's place the professor said I reckon I'll give that brute best, unless you'd like him killed. I'll tackle that job for you with pleasure, but your giant wolf's no good for the show. No, the joke's on me about the giant wolf, admitted the boss crossly. Sam had me for fair over him. Fifteen quid for a useless pig like that. Why, he won't even stand up to make a show. The brute's not worth his tucker, is he? he is not and if you ask me you'd better let me feed him to the others while there's any meat left on his bones he's no good for aught else as i can see the tasmanian devil was a lap-dog to him and he died before i could get him trained you remember Hm well we'll see we might get some fool to buy him anyway you'd better tell sam to pry him round a bit somehow when the show's opening He looks all right when he gets a move on him, but he ain't worth a hill of beans lying curled up there in a corner. How'd it do to get a dingo and put it in there with him? You might as well give him a mouse. He'd swaller it whole. He's twice the size of a dingo. He sure is twice as sulky as any beast I ever saw, and that blame book writin chap from the city the other night said he reckoned the giant was a dog and not a wolf at all nice sociable sort of a dog for a family gathering i don't think you should have asked the gent to go in his cage and try him with a bit of sugar my bloomin colonial he wouldn't have written any more books and now whenever the boss met sam he would jolly the young man a bit as he said regarding the giant wolf as a bargain and ask what sam had done with the fifteen pounds and whether he had any other cheap freaks to sell Also, Sam's half-crown was docked from his wages, and Sam, after all, had never laid claim to any bigness of heart or philosophy of mind. He had long since spent the fifteen pounds. The twenty-five shillings he had paid for Finn loomed larger in his recollection now than the fifteen pounds he had received, particularly after a dose of the boss's chaff why the blazes can't yer learn and work for yer leven, ye ugly great brute sam would growl as he threw finn his daily portion of flesh and more often than not he would pick up a stake and thrust viciously at the wolfhound or strike at him as he crept forward to snatch his meat thus as poor finn saw it another of the strange man-like beasts had gone mad and was to be treated as a dangerous enemy if the professor had continued his daily attempts to cow-fin as a preliminary to training he would have been likely to succeed at about this time for the wolfhound was losing strength daily and though the fire of wrath and fierceness burned strongly when he saw the leather-coated man it had little to feed on now and must soon have died down under the hot bar and the wired whip but the professor could not be expected to know this he had had as many as sixty futile struggles with finn and as he thought had only stopped short of killing the giant outright but idleness or some other cause did lead him to make one other attempt on a hot afternoon just before the hour of tea and of dressing for the evening show Finn's fighting blood, inherited through long centuries of unsmirched descent, made him put his best foot foremost and meet the professor with a mien of most formidable ferocity as soon as the red iron appeared. The professor did not know how near to breaking point Finn's despair had reached. There was little sign of it in the roaring fierceness with which he faced the iron and whip a wolf in such a case with the cunning of the wild and without the life's experience of humans which made the professor's part so incredibly base so gratuitously cruel and treacherous to finn would have given in long before finn fought with the courage of a brave man who has reached the last ditch and with the ferocity that came to him out of the ancient days in which his warrior ancestors were never known either to give or to receive quarter. The professor felt that this was a last attempt, and he did not greatly care whether the great hound lived or died. The giant wolf had defeated him as a trainer. But the giant wolf should never forget the price paid for the defeat. It was a cruel onslaught the iron bit deep and it had been better for the professor's character development better for his record as a man if he had left finn alone when he decided to make no further attempt at taming but men too have fierce brutal passions with less than the simplicity of brutes and more far more of the knowledge which makes cruelty leave a permanent stain upon them the professor himself was aching and sore when he flung passionately out from finn's cage and slammed the iron gate to and as for finn i have no words in which to explain how his poor body ached and was sore if the iron had been stone cold finn would still have been a terribly badly beaten hound when he staggered to his corner after this last visit from the mad beast man in the leathern coat so he thought of the professor, in that tumult of sinking flames which we may call his mind. He lay in his corner quivering and shuddering, and did not even find the heart to lick his wounds till long hours afterwards, when the silence ruled in the field where the circus was encamped that night. This field was on the outskirts of a considerable township, the twenty second that finn had visited with the southern cross circus the authorities had refused to allow the boss to come closer in and so one side of his camping place was walled by virgin bush a dense track of blue gum and iron bark stretching almost as far as the eye could reach to the foothills of a gaunt mountain range for a mile or so from the circus camp The trees had all been ring-barked a couple of seasons or more before this time, with the result that they were now the very haggard skeletons of mighty trees, naked for the most part, their white bones open to all the winds of heaven, but here and there sporting a ghastly kind of drapery, remnants of their grave-clothes, as it might be, in the shape of long-hanging streamers of dead bark, which moaned and rustled eerily in the night breeze high above the tattered grave-clothes of their lifeless trunks the knotted tortured-looking arms and fingers of the trees groped painfully after the life that had fled their neighbourhood finn could just see the ghostly extremities of these spectral trees over the top of the main tent as he lay crouched in his corner after devoting an hour to the licking of his sores presently an almost full moon rose among the tree's fleshless limbs and painted their nakedness in more than ever ghostly guise it was then that finn rose painfully and slowly to his feet and moved like an old old man across the floor of his cage to the bars the bars that were of an inky blackness in that silvery light for almost an hour this great hound this tortured prince of a kingly race stood sadly there staring out at the moonlight between the bars of his prison and for almost an hour big clear drops kept forming in his black eyes and trickling along his scarred muzzle till they pattered down upon the floor of the cage if he had ever heard of such a thing as suicide, it may be that his soul would have known the final humiliation of self-destruction that night. But there is something that strikes a balance as well in a wolfhound's life as a man's life. Near as Finn was to the limit of his endurance, his brave spirit lived within him yet, and he did not forego the nightly habit he had formed long since of trying the bars that made him a prisoner. It is possible that there never was a much more pathetically forlorn hope than that which animated this sorely racked prisoner when he felt his bars. But if the iron of them had entered into his soul, then it had made for endurance. The process was not made easier by the existence of Finn's latest wounds. Both his forelegs and his muzzle had suffered severely under the iron that day and it was with these that he now tested his bars slowly conscientiously and with painful thoroughness from the bar nearest killer's cage to that at the end of the gate of his own which closed on to the partition of the native bears division it was the bottom of the bars that finn always tried where they entered the floor of the cage he took each between his teeth and pushed and pulled sometimes pushing or pulling with his paws as well and the result on this night of bright moonlight and great pain was as it had always been the iron did not change having reached the end of his task finn sat erect on his haunches for it may have been a quarter of an hour gazing out at the risen moon which sailed serenely now high above the praying hands of the skeleton trees Certainly Finn's spirit was near to breaking point. He rose, meaning to seek his corner again, as after so many other futile testings of his bars. But something moved him first to look out as far as he could, over the tent-top, to the great world beyond. Sore though his body was, he rose erect upon his hind feet, placing his fore-feet against the upper half of the gate, and only narrowly escaped falling forward through the gate to the ground beneath in his passion the professor had slammed the barred gate too as usual and in flinging himself angrily off from the place had omitted to slip the two thick bolts which normally held it secure the gate fitted closely and was rusty besides so that finn's jaws tugging at its extreme foot and upon this particular occasion less strongly no doubt than usual had not shifted it but his weight pressing against the upper half was quite another matter and now the gate stood wide open before him For an instant Finn's heart swelled within him so sharply and so greatly that a little whine burst from him, and it seemed he was unable to move. So the sight of the open gate, giving upon the silent open night, affected the wolfhound. In the next instant he dropped quietly to the earth, and was lost in the inky shadow of the main tent. End of chapter 16